0: Welcome back Chelsea fans to the latest episode of the Romans Empire podcast where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else and today we're going to be talking some shit about Southampton so uh to start things off I'll go in alphabetical order this time I don't think I've ever gone in that order uh, we're going first name or last name we'll do uh we'll do first name so what? I'll start with uh I'll start <laughs> with my good friend Andres Andres how you doing buddy? We
1: finally beat the religion curse, guys. We did it. Praise and God. We're, we're uncursed. No, no. We beat God. It's done. It's, we're it. We're it. Chelsea on top, baby.
0: Wow. A very divine approach to this mm-hmm. podcast from Andres. Sam, are you uh in a similar mood? or? You want to know how I'm feeling, Zach? You want to know uh, how I'm feeling? Sure, yeah. I just thought I'd ask.
2: Let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. Let's... Top of the table, 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 top of the table. Hold on. Let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. Let's. Top of the table, top of the table, Zach. We're on top of the table.
0: I love the Kendrick Lamar reference. In case you guys didn't notice, this podcast is two-thirds based in Los Angeles. Yeah, I like that
2: song. just so you guys know, that was our our second take of that. I had it planned, and then I blew it, and then we reshot that. (laughs) Then I nailed it the second time. Nailed it. It all worked out in the end. All right, well, we did miss an episode. Uh, We were very busy that week. It was a midweek match against Juventus, and it seemed like it was such a long time ago that we decided not to even talk about it because... It really didn't doesn't need to be discussed. One one draw. Uh,
0: one thing, one thing about Juve. Uh, I hate to say I told you so. What'd what did you even Chiesa? say?
2: Oh, Chiesa. Yeah.
0: Yep.
2: yep. Uh, all right. But we almost suffered a very similar fate against Southampton, we went up early. We conceded a goal, and then almost drew one one again. But, thankfully, we were able to top it off. 3-1 win against Southampton, 3-4-3 uh, formation uh, going through the lineup now. Mendy in goal, Chalaba, a.k.a. Chalubinho, uh Thiago Silva and Rudiger, back three. Chilwell, uh, Kovacic, RLC, and Dave in the midfield, so nice to see RLC out there. Um, and then a front three of Timo, Cho, and Lukaku. So let's just start off talking about RLC because the return of RLC has been probably my favorite part of the season so far. And it seems like he's a completely different player from what we saw uh, under Sarri. Uh, or was it was it under Sarri
1: that he was under killing part? Him? No, oh, I mean, he I'm was killing it. it under sorry, and then he came back and from injury and was not killing it. No, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm talking about like,
2: like the last good season RLC that he when he was good. No, last season when he was on on uh, Fulham, he was terrible. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I don't know how he looked so bad last year and is coming out. Uh, looking like, I don't even know what the comparison is right now, but he's bossing he up the a
0: he might have a slightly better manager. Just marginally better.
2: <laughs> 41 out of 50 passes completed. The flick, the header for Chalobinho's goal off the corner um, for with his one assist. Uh, two key passes, three dri- dribbles completed. I mean, I thought it was a lot more than just three dribbles completed. Uh, We got a question from at Russell Saunders. He said... How great was it to see RLC purring like a fucking tiger? Not that I've ever heard a tiger purring during the match today. Grabbed his opportunity and delivered. Let's hope he stays injury free. Zach, what do you th- what do you think
0: about that? Injury free is the key word there. Uh if he can remain injury free, um, he pretty much has it all. Power, pace, dribbling um, the ability to make plays for his teammates, his size. And now well, what we're starting to see under Tuchel, which we haven't seen under, you know, Sar- uh, Andres mentioned it, even under Sari when he was at his best, is the defensive side of the game. He's putting in the hard yards. He's committing himself to keeping our shape um, and, and staying solid defensively. And that's just something that I noticed. He was a lot hungrier for the loose balls, for those 50-50 challenges. Um but kind of going back to his health really quick, you know, it's interesting that Russell points that out because that is that is the main wild card here. You know, if he can stay healthy and he can stay in and around the team um and be available uh week in and week out, I think he's gonna get playing time pretty much every single week based on what we've seen. Um I mentioned it last week as well about, you know, the comparison between him and Kovacic, but the difference being RLC has that um has that end quality, right? He has that final ball. He has the finish in him. Um, We've still yet to see that so far, but based on what I've seen in terms of his work in the midfield, the ability to hold off defenders, take people 1v1, looking very comfortable with the ball, completely press resistant, um, I think that part of his game is just going to come naturally. Um, So, you know, I'm really excited, Sam. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that that's your favorite part of the season because I can't think of anything that has made me happier so far. Maybe Chalaba's first goal. Um, I think that was the only other time where, you know, that That, I could compare to this in terms of it being my favorite moment. So I hope he stays in and around the team, man. Um, I think he can be really, really key for us. Like I said, because he has that ability to, to offer something in the midfield that no, no other midfielder we have does. So um, more power to him and, Honestly, you can credit Tuchel for this as well. I mean, his his ability to manage him, not bring him in too early into the season. Um I think now's a really good time, you know, to be introduced into this team and just one more thing, I know I'm kind of ranting. Um if anybody should be worried right now, it should be Saúl. I think I think Loftus-Cheek is going to be keeping him out of the lineup for a long time, especially if he continues to play like this. Um so yeah, you know, it's it's happy days, at least you know, in our midfield. Now we have that depth that we've been looking for, and we finally nailed on that fourth midfielder. Um, that, that's and maybe for sure. Our fifth, across the bus, but yeah,
2: yeah. I, I was gonna say that too. Like this, this match was really bad news for Saul with RLC and Ross Barkley. The return of the Barkley bus, man. This was this was probably the best possible match for me because we saw <laughs> the return of the Barkley bus and the chili train. There were some cobwebs built up, you know, the seats, they you know the, they need to be uh reupholstered a little bit. Yeah, and you know, and uh Tuchel came in, German engineering, you know, fixed that thing up. Got the we we've we upgraded from a steam engine to uh one of those high-speed rails and then from a school bus to uh a party bus? Charter I don't house. know. <laughs> the a, steam engine. <laughs> a coach bus? You know, uh, you know the steam engine uh, trains, uh, the, the old no, no, choo-choo's? Yeah, yeah. yeah, this was a great, a great match for me. But back to RLC because, uh, again, that was another another great performance from RLC, which is the complete opposite of what we see from Saul. I feel like we've yet to see a good performance from Saul. And it's the complete opposite, where we've yet to see RLC come on and put up a stinker. And they've played, have they played the same amount of matches now? I don't know. I know they started the same amount, but. Um, yes, I think they have. It's it, we've They have around the same amount of play time, and it could not have gone worse, in my opinion, for Saul. And it could not have gone better for RLC. But that begs the question, Andreas, if, does RLC deserve more playing time? And if so,
1: when? Uh, The easy answer is yes, he does. Uh, I think that we can all agree that the few matches before this, it was getting a bit stale. And in terms of when, well, in the next four, five, six, seven, I'm looking at seven matches, which include Brentford, Malmo twice, Burnley, Southampton again, Newcastle and Norwich. The teams are going to sit back on us. And we struggled against that midweek. We struggled against that. Honestly, we usually just do. We struggled against it even this weekend for a while. And I think RLC brings that X factor and wild card where he himself can put his head down and not just dribble out of pressure like someone like Kovacic does, but dribble with purpose towards the goal. And so I think Zach alluded to the fact that his final pass isn't quite there yet. But I think that's just due to to a lack of matches. So, for me, he needs to start... He needs to keep starting. um, At least until... um, Unless Conte's healthy, you know, and and Tupul goes back to the tried and true. But if you're asking me right now, I want want RLC to start at least the next match against Brentford.
2: And I think... I think another thing Zach was mentioning, the final product, like, actually scoring for us. Like, we... We are desperately in need of, you know. I mean, if if you take out Timo Werner's goal in the past two matches, really should have been three goals in the last two matches. Um, if if it weren't for VAR taking away a bullshit from a bullshit review, um, we haven't had any production from our front three really, and in, and in, it seems in a, in a, you know, like three four matches. So if he could. You know, step it up and and maybe play in the front. Like there might be a spot for him there, on one mm-hmm. of the wings. You know, maybe. I mean, show. we have we have seen him out there before, but you know, one of one of the wingers, Cho, back in his uh his natural position on on the left side, um, I thought he looked a lot more comfortable. Zach, what'd you think?
0: Yeah, he did. Um. We saw glimpses of it in the first half. You know, the one v one ability. Um, he was more. He looked more willing to take defenders on, um, which is something that we kind of criticize him for playing at wing back, being a bit timid um, and playing a bit too vertical. Um, but for me, the final ball still lacking. Um, his play did kind of dwindle off in the second half. At least his impact on the match did. And honestly, to me, it just. I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy, but it just doesn't it still doesn't quite feel right with him um you know f- fortunately for us Tuchel has an embarrassment of riches in terms of the attack like I know Sam alluded to you know the front three struggling as of late but you know I just don't see a way that he can get in um the only reason why he got in today is because Kai and Ziesch were in crap form um and Pulisic was out um so essentially that makes him what our fifth choice fourth or fifth choice um look i mean the thing is i want him to succeed but i just think it's inevitable that eventually he's going to leave i think the situation for him here is not the right one for him to, to sort of develop his game and get the game time he needs um in order to become the player he can um i just think i think the situation's a bit big for him um and that's not a diss on his ability or anything like that it's it's me alluding to more our squad depth uh more than anything you know we've kind of had to shoehorn him at right wing back um and that experiment didn't really work out now we tried to play him up in the front he looked a little bit better i'd like to see him there again but it just doesn't feel like it's a it's a great fit
2: Andreas. wait, am I am I remembering things right? He did play this past match a little bit of right wing back, like after some subs are made, right? Am I? I don't no, so. he didn't. Okay, I'm I'm wrong. Oh no, he got he got taken out in the 65th. Yeah, I'm remembering things wrong. Andreas, sorry. Do you want to add anything to that?
1: Yeah, I I actually disagree with Zach here. I thought he was great. <laughs> I thought he brought energy. I thought that. While, yes, he's not number one in the team sheet, I think that, you know, he took his chance well. I think that, again, him and Ch- uh, Chilwell started together very well on that left side. I thought he was passing confidently. I thought that he was dribbling confidently at first. Sure, later on in the game, he faded, but so did the rest of the team after that penalty. So, like, I don't think that was a Cho specific thing. And and he may be fifth choice right now, but Kainzias didn't get subbed into this game when we were tied. So I don't think that Cho is falling down the pecking order. If anything, he's coming up until CP10, like Ballistic uh, specifically gets healthy again, and even he's going to get brought back slowly because he can't he can't seem to stay healthy. So for me, I think that much like RLC, you let Cho play a couple more times at left wing, and you'll see the glimpses of sorry esque Cho in the Europa League where he was actually scoring goals and assisting goals. Um, I I do think that long term. He he might not have a place here like you said, Zach. But as of right now, I think he's necessary because those other guys just look con- content with mediocrity, and I think that Cho can at least give us the energy and willingness to to put in a shift, whether he's doing g- good or not.
2: I I I think I agree with you, Andreas. And I think that it was really good by um, by Tuchel to kind of pull him after sixty five minutes, because um, he he was he started to dwindle off towards the end, and uh, I thought that like towards the beginning he was looking really nice, and you don't want to like shoot his confidence down, um, and you know just pull him out as soon as as soon as you see that he's starting to. Uh, you know, slip up a little bit. All right, let's talk about my boy, Chili. Hop on the Chili train. Choo-choo, motherfuckers. All right. Four 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 key passes, three shots on target, two interceptions. He did give up a really, really, really stupid penalty um, for Southampton's equalizer. No, There's no excusing that even as the captain of the Chili Train crew. That was a really stupid tackle. There's no no reason for that at all. Plus, one screamer golasso. Shout out to Goal Line Technology. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, the one, it's the one introduction of technology into the officiating of football that actually fucking works, unlike VAR. You know why? Because... It's automatic. Human controlling yeah. it. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, there's it's no automatic. interpretation. It yeah. tells you. That's it. Seriously. Uh the the more the more we introduce humans into it, the more terrible and terrible the officiating gets. But um Ben Chilwell was actually the thirteenth different score for the club this season. Which is the most for any team in the top four leagues. So a lot of That's wild. Uh, Spreading the love around at Chelsea FC. Um, Andreas, what do you think of uh, Ben Chilwell's performance?
1: What a freaking roller coaster! I mean, I thought he started off like the first twenty, thirty minutes. I thought the top three players for Chelsea were the left-sided players, basically. I thought it was Chilwell, uh, Cho, and RLC. And you know, the silly mistake made him kind of fade away. He got his goal back and, and ended strong. But the thing that I wanted to point out is just what Chilwell brings to the table. Obviously defensively, he's more solid. You're not kind of sweating anytime the team is running at him. But on on the attack, Alonzo's a little bit kind of one dimensional. He fades into the middle or he he kind of forces his way middle of his runs and he tries to score inside the box. I think Chilwell does a good mix of two of the two where he can kind of be an inverted wing back as well as just overlapping. And I believe that that's what makes him such a threat when he's on form and why he is our obvious candidate to be, you know, our long term starting left wing back or left back. He was combining well with Cho. There's not none of that like awkward pass the ball to him. And then he doesn't know what to do that you do see with Alonzo in transition. And the fact that he's more willing to shoot right now because, you know, perhaps the Alonzo performances have gotten to his head. I'm all for, I think that sometimes he, he tries to get too perfect of a shot and this weekend shows that you don't have to be in the best position to take a shot and score it. So for me, I, even with the penalty, I think that it was a solid performance. I think that's just one stupid mistake that kind of made it not a 10 out of 10, but chill us back. So you can, uh, Put all your coal into the engine and, and run that train <laughs> to the ground are you calling him the little engine that could yeah nah, dude he's a big time engine
2: <laughs> yeah uh, thomas, oh, oh, oh. i was about to say thomas Tuchel, the tank engine
1: <laughs> <laughs> so many trains <laughs> the cho cho train the oh, chili train No,
2: cho cho thomas
1: the tank engine <laughs> thomas the
2: Took engine uh... no no yeah too much thomas thomas the Took engine i love it all right zach you wanted to add something uh like let's let's just keep this uh while praise
0: going what what else yeah got i i uh i i think the part about his game that I missed so much was his ability to sort of bounce back. We very rarely saw him last season in a Chelsea shirt, put together a full 90 minutes where he played like shit. And in this game, I don't think he particularly played poorly before he gave up the penalty. The penalty was just the stain on his performance. Um, but the way he bounced back from that, um, kept his head up, obviously improved on his performance from there. To me, that was the part that was, uh, that was the most impressive. um, just one more thing that I did want to mention in you know Andres pointed out his his attacking ability compared to Alonso's you know when we praise Marcus Alonso's attacking ability it's not discounting Chilwell's whatsoever um he he is clearly class going forward now one thing I do notice um that is actually more advantageous for us when we have Chilwell on the pitch from the attacking sense is that he does have that threat from deep and Meaning the cross, um so when he receives a ball in those little half spaces uh, that we like to see aspie occupy a lot um even at wing back position, um defenses have to step out on him. the nearest man has to close him down because he could deliver that that perfect ball um so he's sort of three or he's multi dimensional for're calling Marcus Alonso one dimensional in that sense, um you know. He could play one twos. He's comfortable with the ball at his feet. And now, like you said, he's starting to get that finishing ability. Um, But the biggest advantage of that, guys, is if Chilwell is operating in that space, or if Marcus Alonso gets the ball in that space, he's most likely giving it up and then making a run straight towards the box. Chilwell has that ability to play that cross in. And if it doesn't come off, or if we turn the ball over, at least he's in a better defensive position than Alonso would be. So I noticed in a lot of the transition, uh, the transition opportunities for Southampton, Chilwell was just in a better place positionally than Alonso would be in that, in that sense. Um, so we did look a little bit more solid defensively having him out there, while also having the added bonus of a player on the left side who can play that cross. Um, so it's mm-hmm. sort of killing two birds with one stone. I was I was really happy to see him back, and and, and honestly he looks motivated, which is exactly what we want to see. Um, he looks like he's 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 ready to make that position his again, and he looks fit. Which is something that, you know, we couldn't say about him two or three weeks ago. So good on him. That goal was just so
2: ridiculous. Off the post by Lukaku. Off the crossbar by Dave. And then even Chilwell's shot. Alex McCarthy got a hand on it. I don't know what the hell. God, I don't know what happens to keepers when they play against Chelsea. But they turn into, like, Oliver Kahn type, like, like like-esque, you know? But... Uh, it's it's. It was it was like. I I didn't realize that that was a goal until like a cool like twenty seconds later, you know. When they're, they were celebrating goal, and I was like, huh?
0: Which one was the goal? <laughs> Who scored? I have no idea what happened.
2: But uh,
0: dude, I th- I think we're at the point now in the Premier League where every team has so much money that there's literally, there's hardly any crap players in the league anymore. Like even down to Southampton's goalkeeper. Yeah. They're good now. For sure. Like, Alphonse Areola played for a relegation side last year. So I think it's kind of crazy to think because 10, 15 years ago, or at least, like, even sooner than that, six or seven years ago, the quality wasn't anywhere near what it is now. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just want to mention that. So before we move on,
2: Chile or Marcus Alonso? Chilwell. Yeah,
1: me too.
0: Chile for the big matches, Alonso versus Spurs in every, like, bottom half of the table
1: club. Nah, Chillwell for everything, except Spurs.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, but you're, you're going to say that? Like, completely
2: discrediting what how good Marcus Alonso's been for no, us this year? he's no, been no. good. I mean, you're asking me,
1: if you have, you asked my opinion, if they're both healthy, who do I play? I start Chillwell. I think Alonso is a great second option. I'm not discrediting that. But if you're asking me to... To pick 11, I'm going to pick Chilwell.
2: All right, let's talk about Timo Werner. Finally got his, it was his first uh, league goal of the season. Should have had two if it wasn't for VAR completely pissing the bed. It's just we, we have at least one of these situations every year where they go back three or four plays before the fucking goal. They find a foul that is completely unrelated To the actual play that ended up being the goal, and they call the foul and they would take away the goal. Um. But anyway, back to Timo Werner. Four shots uh, on target. Two of them were blocked. Uh, Two out of four dribbles completed. Timo Werner is so unlucky. I don't know how many goals he scored for Chelsea. Do you know how many he scored? How many has he scored for Chelsea? How many has he scored or how many have Um, been taken by the AR? No, 16 goals ruled out since he's joined Chelsea. And I don't think he has more than he has. Yeah, he has not scored
1: 16. Uh,
2: In all competitions. So he's scored scored 14. (laughs) Two more goals have been taken away than
0: scored for him. If would, he, he would if, have if, he would have thirty goals for us if it weren't for VAR. Let's say let's say you take half of those goals and count them as legitimate, right? That's eight more goals. Would we still be critici- Would the fan base still be criticizing him as much as they are at that point? If he got I don't know. eight more. Yeah,
2: that's a good point. Or even five really that's like, sense. but that's also like a big of the, that's like a big part of the frustration was like his inability to stay onside. That was that was a big part of it but to be well, fair to him last
1: year against liverpool he wasn't even offside and they called it offside. yeah exactly yeah. that's what i was gonna say to, to be fair time. to
0: him a lot of it has he has gotten some of the most bullshit var calls i've ever seen so yeah sure sure it, it, some it of them for, for sure yeah right,
2: well let's talk about the goal real quick ross barkley that ridiculous diagonal ball to dave first times it across the face of the goal to timo who made A perfectly timed run, put it away. Um, Was that so far our team goal of the season?
0: Zach, what do you think? Team goal. Team goal, yes. It was beautiful. I mean, Ross Barkley basically picks up the ball close to midfield. um, And then two touches later, it's in the back of the net. Three touches, if you're counting Ross Barkley's. I mean, that's as good as it gets. And and, and, the, and the technical ability of Dave, by the way, I just want to point that out. This is somebody that – I mean, he's a – we know he's a legend. But this is somebody that's been criticized for his touch and for his service. The guy has been anything but shitty at crossing and finding passes in the last three or four seasons. So I'm fucking done with the Dave slander. That was – you have to be a technical genius to hit that cross the way he did, to take it out of the air like that in the eighty some minute. Um, it was just the goal all around was beautiful. There, there's Dave
2: Slander. Seat.
0: Where I'm
1: not. Where is there a Dave Slander? Uh, that he's old. That he's never going to start again. That he needs to be replaced. I mean, what he Who just that? He keeps
0: performing.
1: He keeps performing. Who the
0: hell says and that? like yes, his physical abilities are wearing away, but he's sort of taken the Tiago Silva approach to hit to the later part of his career where even though he doesn't have that physical ability anymore or not as much positionally technically mentally i mean he's he's as good as it gets man i'll fight anyone that guy. i'll fight
2: anyone who, who talks shit about dave at this point i will fight them. <laughs> um all right we got a we got a twitter question from ronnie ashworth at uh huey 98758 He said, even though his first touch is awful and his decision-making is hit or or miss, things happen when he's around. And he makes things happen, accidentally sometimes. But he's chasing, closes down, and works hard. Starting place for Timo? Before I ask one of you guys, there was one play in particular where he lost the ball and he tracked back all the way to our own box and got the ball back. Mm -hmm. I love seeing that. I love seeing that. Andres. I mean, this is the, the question he asked that's, that's, he's preaching to your choir.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've said this week in and week out, I'm not sure the reason why, but this team as a unit performs better with Timo. And, and I can't, you know, I, I love to dig into the X's and O's of things, but there is no, there, there is none here. I, I don't get it. I think that, you know, if VAR was used properly, Timo would have had two goals today, and he would have been our man of the match, and he would have gotten not to talk about VAR for once. But I mean, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm really curious because I think when Timo starts, it's like you know, a couple seasons ago, it was like, oh, when Jorginho starts, Chelsea wins 67% of their games, something like that. Even when Jorginho wasn't playing well, I think it, we're we're in a situation where it's the same with Timo. I mean he tries so hard and he makes the runs that are asked of him and, and to, and to a point they're now so unselfish because he's doing the right thing, but teammates may not trust him in front of goal for obvious reasons at times, but the other team doesn't do, know that, you know, the other team can't not mark a guy. So it creates space for someone else maybe, or create space for the guy on the ball to dribble in. And again, maybe it's the fact that he's so willing to do things without the ball versus someone like Ziyech, Kai, or even Mount that like to have the ball. You know, he's a he's a decoy almost at times. Maybe that's what it is. But again, I thought he did great. The one thing that I guess I can complain about is that I felt like whether it was the pitch or something, he couldn't strike the ball cleanly in this match. So maybe he could have even had himself a hat trick had he done that because he had a couple shots where I was just like, if you just get a clean hit, there's no way McCarthy reacts in time. But yeah, I mean, Ronnie, I'm with you, man. I I don't get it. It, it every brain cell in my body doesn't understand. And and I even if you asked me to pick a starting eleven against the best team in the world with our team, I, I don't, I couldn't understand why I would put Timo Werner in there, but. <laughs> performances like this are why
2: before zach answers i implore our listeners to go back to our last episode and listen to zach's rant about timo Werner, where he completely shit on him and hmm. now zach you can answer i'm assuming you're going to change your tune a little
1: bit i just want to make sure everyone
2: knows that you're a fraud
1: <laughs> yeah, he tried calling us out about the chiesa thing just because we let him talk about chiesa Let's see how it uh-huh. sounds about Werner. Yeah. No, look, I I mean I said what I said last week. Uh
0: yeah. And I agreed with it, season. sorry, to just just for the record, I also agreed with what you said too, so it's on uh, me look, as well. I mean I mean I'm still standing by some of what I said. Um You pointed it out. I I think what he brings um when he's playing well, it's that energy and effort, and that's the bare minimum. We always talk about, you know, our frustration with certain players in the past, like guys like Bakayoko, guys like Murata, um, you know, players that just didn't really give a shit about playing for the badge. And Timo actually does. He gives you that sense that he does. Um, it's not only the work that he does when we when we have the ball. When the other team has the ball, he's he's almost mimicking the Mason Mount role in this game in a sense, right? Um, and I think that's where he gets the best out of himself um is when he's sort of putting in the hard yards defensively it sort it gives him the confidence and it gives him the nouns to perform uh on the other side of the pitch too so good on him, man. look, I still think his touch is crap um andres you highlighted it in a in a in a much nicer way, but his finishing is still crap too um He should have had two goals in this game, which is pretty funny, but um, that's more of a result of him getting in the right position at the right time, right? Um, And as long as he keeps doing that, guys, I think the goals are eventually going to come. We know he has it in him. I mean, he did it at RB Leipzig. Um, So so it's always going to be a possibility that Timo Werner could turn it around in a Chelsea shirt. I'm never going to write him off completely for that. And just for the record, as much crap as I talk about players, I will always root for them as long as they're still playing for Chelsea. Absolutely. I will always hope that they play well. I will never wish a player to play poorly in a Chelsea shirt. You will oh never, God. ever hear me say that. But, you know, look, I think Timo is creeping into some sort of form. I think it's really unfortunate that the international break came when it did, because this is probably the best time for him to springboard his season um, and and get a really good and and, you know, get the wheels really moving um so let's see how he does during the international break i know he did really well the last time around i think he had three goals and three for germany if i'm not mistaken you know maybe he can nick another goal or get an assist this you know in the next week and a half um to kind of keep his confidence up and then you know return to chelsea rejuvenated like we've seen him in the last few matches so I, i i hope he continues to play and look he started the Champions League final. The guy has played in big games for us before. It's 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 no secret that he can pull out a performance. So, good for him. Um I hope it continues. You
1: I, know, and, I, I I've been saying
0: I hope it continues about a lot of the players uh this podcast, but like just for the record, I mean we are talking about a lot of the quote-unquote fringe players in recent weeks. So, I'm just happy that they're all putting together performances.
2: And, and I discredited um Timo's goal uh against Aston Villa, the header. I just said, you know, it was he should have put that away anyway. It was just served to him by on a silver platter by Reece James. And uh and you know, the the goal that was taken away this match, another header. I have to give him credit now because against Juventus Kai Havertz could not get a single header on target like that guy he had like four or five chances that he could have put away Timo Werner has two chances that he puts both away um so I'll give credit to him he's probably better at finishing with his head than he is with his feet so I'll give him that um that's
0: not even a diss I think that's a reality (laughs) no yeah
2: no for sure and uh Kai Havertz needs to work on both um Alright, uh, moving on. Oh, wait, by the way, did you guys see that that uh, video that Chelsea posted about, uh, it was the prank that Mason oh Mounds played on him? Oh my god, so
0: funny. Did you so see that, Zach? Funny. Uh, no, I did not. So uh, You know, I, I, I saw the, uh, I saw that the video was posted today, but I haven't had the chance to watch it. I did see the clip of Timo in the uh, go-kart, though. That was pretty
1: funny. Yeah,
2: like, and he was a such a good sport about it all. Like, he was going along with everything with, like, a smile on his face. And this is a very ridiculous take from me. Uh, I will admit it. But I think, like, that is another reason why, like, he he continues to get starts. It's because he's got a great attitude. He's a good sport. When things don't go his way, when he's, like, in a difficult position, he still puts on, you know, a face and, and just continues to move on. I think that video shed a little bit of light into like the mentality and the personality and the character of Timo Werner.
1: And and not just that, he was asked after the game, they brought up the VAR stats to him and he said, "That's just unfortunately the story of his career at Chelsea so far." Like he doesn't shy away from it. You know, it, like I hate to use this, bring this guy up, but if you were to ask Morata that sort of question, he would like crumble so and, yeah. and 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 need to go see the sports psychiatrist again, she- like
0: Change his, number.
1: change his number maybe go post another picture of his wife whatever but Timo would like go out of his way and just be like yeah i mean unfortunately that's what it is i just have to keep working hard and, and doing what i did today to, to change that so get on i'm here. rooting
2: for him
0: i'm rooting for his, him really hard his attitude's top fucking notch dude yeah i don't think there's anybody i mean maybe mason mount would be the only player whose attitude you could compare to his and conte i mean Mason
2: Mount hasn't faced the kind of adversity that Timo Werner has. You can't even compare yeah. it.
0: He's faced the most. Yeah. Easily um, the most.
2: All right, let's move on. So the 3-4-3 versus the 3-5-2. So we saw a little bit of both this match. Started off with the 3-4-3, as I mentioned. We switched to the 3-5-2 when Mason Mount was introduced. And then went back to the 3-4-3 when Barkley came on for Ruben. Um... So, now that we've had multiple viewings on both formations, what are your thoughts on both systems, Andreas? What do you think?
1: i rather stick to the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, I saw Mount come on, and I thought, okay, uh, we'll just be more progressive. But then Ruben dropped to like a super deep central role, and Kovacic and Mount were way too spread out where Ruben had no outlet passes when he got the ball from the back three. So it was just so disjointed. And then you saw it against Man City, and there was no way to break a press when there was three midfielders versus three midfielders. And so at this point, i just rather have the 3-4-3. With three guys up front, you have an outlet that can just skip the midfield if they're not there. There's just the way that the field is more spread out, like – there's more space for everyone. The wingbacks can can get into space without having to launch forward. In midfield, you just have two guys instead of trying to cram in three. So then when you cram in those three players, if they are central instead of spreading too far apart, then one player on the other team can positionally cover two men by just standing in between a passing lane. I think the 3-4-3 three, three just works better spatially for us. Yes, it's a little bit more predictable in the buildup, but in terms of what we have and where our players are, I think the 3-4-3 just fits the system. We don't have wingbacks that score goals left and right. So 3-5-2, you know, for the 3-5-2 to work, you need someone that you know, maybe converted backwards into a wingback rather than somebody that was a fullback converted into more of a forward-thinking wingback. Like you have to have that lethal uh, finishing from those wingbacks. And, and while Reese and Chilwell and Alonso at times get into the box and force shots, they don't have that in them uh, every single day. So for me, it's the 3-4-3 three, three where you can use their crossing ability, and once in a while they can add to the goal scoring while also you know, keeping the front three from essentially getting outmanned by a back four.
2: I love how nice Andreas is, or proper Andreas is when he's recording, because he started off by saying, I prefer the 3-4-3, three, three. but he wrote down in the script, fuck this weird 3-5-2, <laughs> 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 and he, was, he went about it a lot more rational and polite and all that, well, when he said it out loud, but, that, but he he wrote down in the script how he really feels. Um, I'm team 3-4-3 three, three as well, Zach, you... You have a preference?
0: I, I've always been team three four three, even when you guys were team four two three one or four three three. So I'm, I'm gonna still, one, two, I'm one, still open
1: to seeing this team in a four two three
0: one. I think the four two three one would work, but I think the reason why the three four three is working for us now is because when Tupel came in, I think he proved that there's no player on our team that really needs protecting anymore. We don't need to protect Jorginho in that midfield if we have possession of the ball. And then when we lose possession of the ball, having three players up top makes it easier to win it because now you have an extra man to help you press. And when that extra man's Mason Mount, who's one of the, arguably one of the best pressers around, um, that helps. So there, in a sense, there is a little bit more protection for Jorginho without having to officially drop that third man into the midfield.
1: I mean, that then you're contradicting yourself because the 3-4-3 three, three does still protect Jorginho. Like that's the whole purpose. of It, it. does. Like, it does, but in a different sense.
0: Instead of instead of protecting him, you know, with a man ten or another man ten or fifteen yards away from him, we're putting the high press on teams and we're
1: winning the ball higher up the pitch. So he's but we're not also a, putting one less body into attack because we have three center backs. Technically,
0: yeah, but we're getting the width from the from the wing backs.
2: I get what you're saying, Zach. I agree. All right, one, one final point before we go into our Twitter questions. We had we had to mention this. The Barkley bus, we, we talked about it earlier. Tuchel, cool. so we saw him get introduced uh, against Juventus. And the crazy thing about the Juventus game, it was the first time in Tuchel's era that he didn't start a single English player. And then... All one, two, three, four, five subs. All five of them were English players, <laughs> uh, and one of them was Ross Barkley, which was the first time we saw him. He looked decent. Or well, actually, I don't know if it was the first time we saw him, but I think it was the first time we saw him. He looked decent. Put up a you know pretty solid performance. Nothing great, but okay. And then this match, Tukul noticed that and uh, put him in. In uh, which minute was it in the, uh, I'll see you right now. He came in in the 83rd minute. Yep. Yeah. With Hakeem Ziyech and Kai Havertz on the bench. Um, Tukul actually specifically meant, uh, talked about this after the match. He said, nobody's angry at them. Talking about Havertz and uh, Ziyech nobody's angry at them and nobody has major concerns but we have to pay attention to their form he's absolutely right i mean kai Havertz has reached the point i think uh, in the last couple of matches where it's it's just like it's just for me watching it's a lot of frustration I, it really just doesn't seem like you know we're talking about timo werner putting putting in 100% of effort running you know, putting on for the badge, playing with a lot of pride. Kai Havertz, complete polar opposite. You know, he's walking around, he's jogging, he's not really making too much of a great effort, lazy passes. It's It's been really disappointing. And then Ziyech is just, I don't know what happened to his preseason form. He's forcing a lot of shots, you know, which are unnecessary. His balls, his final, you know, his final product on those balls are, Nothing compared to what we've seen before. I mean, what's going on here, Zach?
0: I think I just wanted to speak on Kai mostly. I mean, with Ziyech, he kind of is who he is. A couple pods ago when we spoke about him, it just, it all seems kind of predictable with him. You know, it's it's, it's inevitable that he's going to cut to his left. And only two options from there is either a pass or a shot. Because he doesn't really have that ability to take players 1v1. At least we haven't seen it yet. With Kai, I think it's about fucking time that he gets put on blast publicly. Um, you know, obviously Tuchel was nice about it with his quotes, but basically this was a wake-up call to both of them. If you don't start performing, you're gonna go down to pecking order. And um I'm just interested to see how Kai's gonna react because we know that we didn't spend 70 plus million on on you know on just an average player we bought a superstar a potential superstar somebody that we put you know in potential world elevens years from now so it's time for him to step up and show us you know who he is you know i know he got the goal in the champions league final which is you know that's great we're going to love him forever for that I don't think any of us will take that away from him, but it has been disappointing. I thought this was going to be the season where he quote unquote blew up um, and would really start to put together three, four, five, six matches where he's almost unbeatable, where, where you know, the guys like Sala, guys like Kevin De Bruyne, um, you know, Aguero in his prime, even Jamie Vardy at Leicester have, have all proved that they can do, you know, the top players in this league prove it week in and week out. And unfortunately, you know, we haven't seen that from Kai. So I hope that this rally call from Tuchel is, um, you know, it, it, I, I hope it wakes him up. I hope it's like cold water in his on his ass. You know, it, it better be. Um, otherwise, it's going to be disappointing because so far this season, it's been nothing but, um, you know, he has the goal against Liverpool and nothing else to show for his season. So um, it's time to show up or, you know, you're going to be on the bench, and, and Tuchel has no problem playing these other guys.
1: All right, yeah. uh, Andres. Wait, do I, I do want, want to add something. Yeah, obviously they're not playing well, um, and, and like we said, the Ziyech one is, is a little bit harder to fix than the Havertz one. I think my criticism on Ziyech is the same criticism I had on Willian. I think they're just not players who are willing to, to be coached and take constructive criticism. They're just going to do what they do. And that's what you're going to get, even if it doesn't fit the team tactics. With Havertz, I mean, for me, obviously I'm frustrated. I don't think he's played well. I'm not going to defend his performances. What I want to know is what is his, like, when are we going to know what his actual role is? Like, I think Havertz, much like where Mount was under Lampard, is we don't know where Havertz is going to play. Last season, he was. Uh, a 10 and he was the the false nine now he's on the right side now he's on the left side to me like if we we're going to go out of our way to protect Jorginho who I think doesn't need the protecting and I think we're underselling the capabilities of our back line why can't we play a four two three one where you put Havertz in the middle of the park behind Lukaku and you let him operate centrally where we know is his favorite place and where we know that's his like highest output and see what happens you give him that free roll in the middle behind the striker where he can be a playmaker in all senses of the word and he can be flanked by mount verner with lukaku in front and see what happens i get the three four three i get that we're second in goals this season like i get it but Saw mentioned that we have 13 goal scores and we're nowhere near the golden boot right now goals are coming from everywhere instead of the attacking players. So. I think that it should be okay to now instead of baby the defense and put more defensive bodies in to, to protect Mendy and the goal, to do the opposite a little bit and let the attacking players do their thing. In the 4-2-3-1, you can still have Jorginho and you can put maybe Loftus-Cheek next to him. And then in front of them, you have the likes of Werner, Pulisic, Mount, Lukaku. You have four attacking bodies. I don't know. I I'm obviously speaking out loud. There's a there's an international break coming up, so maybe that is something Tuko will look at for a little bit, the, the possibility of a four at the back at sometimes. But I think the issue now is getting the offensive players to do what they're supposed to, because at this point we're having to count on goals from everyone else to to kind of keep our form going.
2: Definitely another another player that you know we can say kind of the same about is Lukaku, who hasn't scored in quite some time. It's been like five matches since he's scored, so you know we're not gonna let him get away with a pass just because of you know how great he is, how great we know he is he's he hasn't been playing to the top of his ability, so let's let's you know give a little criticism where it's due
1: as well yeah. Um, and one last thing, sorry. Uh, the other thing that I noticed, and it's maybe it's not as big of a surprise, but Reese James's absence has also meant that the attacking players are playing uh, less to their potential, I guess. So maybe the threat of Reese James allowed them to do a little bit more. I don't know.
2: I think so too. All right. Only two more Twitter questions uh, for this episode. This first one is from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. You really thought that we would do an episode without a Ron question? You were wrong. Um <laughs> So Chili, RLC, The Bus, <laughs> aka Ross Barkley, Cho. Of these four players, who gets more playing time now after these past two performances? I I'll answer first. I think of those first. I think those first three, chillwell RLC. Well, first definitely chillwell and RLC will get more playing time. Ross Barkley might get a start every once in a while. I mean, we all know the legend of FA Cup Ross Barkley. <laughs> so we'll see that. Cho is the with with Pulisic coming back hopefully after international break. Um it's going to be it's going to be he he didn't really do anything spectacular or over the top that really warranted him more playing time so i would say more chili and rlc ross barkley will come off the bench more um and Cho, i'm not sure something I, I, I don't think anything's changed with them to be honest
0: i think uh I agree. I think Chile and RLC are the given. Um, I would only like to see Ross Barkley come off the bench. I don't want to see him start any matches. I think when he comes FA off the Cup. bench, it gives him... It, what? FA Cup. Well, That's yeah, a- yeah. The FA Cup... Yeah, but I'm not talking about the FA Cup against, you know, nobody. I'm talking <laughs> about Premier League matches, Champions League matches. Um, I think when you bring him off the bench, it gives him a a different mindset it gives him more of an urgency a need to make an impact on the game right away which is exactly why we saw that ridiculous pass right when he came on um so yeah i mean i think as a sub he's definitely going to get some more playing time i don't you know i I said rlc's our fourth choice midfielder and rlc's that good you still have saul who's going to come into the fray um and we've seen trevor chalaba play there too so I don't think Ross Barkley is going to be anywhere near the starting lineup against, you know, unless it's the FA Cup against some nobody. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, in terms of Cho, I kind of said what I said about him. I think he's still going to continue to get playing time, but eventually it's, I think that relationship's going to deteriorate and he's going to wind up, you know, uh, either not at Chelsea or not in a team. So there you go. Andres.
1: I go think ahead and, Go ahead and rip me for my Cho thoughts. No, no, no. I mean, I think that Chilwell is a given. I, like I said, I think will starts again. Like, I don't think it's going to go back to Alonso anytime soon. So I think that the answer is ROC. I don't think – sorry, Salm. I don't think we're going to see Barkley as much as you think we are because I think putting Barkley on was more of a – motivational tactic if that's like i know it's a risky one but i think that really is the purpose of it like hey you're not playing well so i'm gonna have to bring on this guy like i think that was the message i don't think it's more of like barkley has done something crazy in training you know like that okay, message but when ross barkley been...
2: comes on and does more in his very limited performance than zesh or or uh havertz have done in their last four performances combined you don't think that warrants more playing time?
1: I think it may warrant another spot on the bench in the next game or two, but I think that the club is also going to put pressure on Tuchel to play the big money guys that they spent money on. Like, at this point, Barkley was a $15 million investment that probably already was paid off. Havertz is our record signing, and Zies was $35 million. Like, I think that plays a factor into it. Like, believe it or not, I, like, I do that. believe in meritocracy, but... I don't see a, a world where Havertz is not going to get more minutes than Barkley in the next four matches.
2: oh, well, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. The question was, does Ross Barkley get more playing time now? And we're comparing it to Ross Barkley not getting any playing time.
1: I mean, I'll will tell you what. He'll get more playing that more playing time than Saul. No, I hopefully,
2: know. I hope so. Like, Saul was
1: supposed to be what the fourth fourth choice. For two spots and now he's like the sixth or seventh so i mean i think barkley's adding himself to a conversation of options i i don't want to overhype a good five minute cameo all
2: right last question another one from russell saunders he said does mendy get an assist for the red card a shocking pass to j5 also he was quote giving me kittens in the (laughs) first half with some of his passing I dispute anyone who calls him world-class, as there are errors in his game like the passing that don't warrant the tag. I think that's a very fair point, to be honest, because this isn't the first time he's had shaky passes. I th- I think overall he is good with his feet and his distribution, but he does, he does play an errant pass every once in a while. And I think that he is a world class shot stopper i do i really do think he's a world class shot stopper um but you guys would agree with that at least that part right like the the shot stopping aspect but like the distribution especially especially in in a system the system that Chelsea plays where it's so important to play the ball back to the keeper. He's he's a very big part of playing the ball out of the back. But I think it is fair to, to call him out for, for that for this passing.
0: I think it's also fair to say that the team wasn't very confident going into this match. And that could have had an impact on it. We've seen it have an impact on Kepa in the past. You know, when the ten guys in front of you aren't performing the way that they could, it takes a little bit away from your confidence too, but I agree with Russell. I I to a certain extent, you know, I I think if there is one criticism you can make about Mendy, it is, you know, his I don't want to say his decision making because the thoughts are there. Um the passing isn't very consistent. But that doesn't not make him world class. There are world class keepers all over all over the world uh, and even in the past that we've seen that have had clear errors in their game whether it be their size, their touch, um you know the 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 brave mistake in them um you know literally putting the ball in the goal we've seen some of the best goalkeepers in the world do that um i still can't look around europe and find five goalkeepers better than better than mendy so just based on that argument i i think he's world class still um but i think the criticism is fair with his uh with his passing
1: uh, I'm going to be on Sam and Russell's uh, side on this one because I think Mendy's getting a little too confident in his head, and and that's not okay. Um, the passes were bad all game. The Jorginho one in another game, that's a goal against us, and that's not on Jorginho. That would have been on Mendy. I think had Kepa done this, Zach, like, sorry, you would have been eating him up a lot. I think Mendy gets a pass because he has saved us many times before, but I think that you're asking me for five keepers. I mean, I'll gladly give them to you right now. Donnarumma, Neuer, hell, Courtois, even though I love him at this point, Oblok, geez, Ederson, Allison. Like, I just gave you six.
0: Ederson is not better than than Mendy. I
1: don't think so either. Jan Sommer on
2: form. Jan Sommer is not better than Come
1: on. I'm just giving you like I know, but Jan Summer like, is not world class. Okay, I mean he he could no, no, be. No, no, no. That's my point. I'm not saying Jan Summer is world class. I'm giving He's you underrated. Of people that are yeah. probably considerably potentially better than him like hey, Andanovic is another one. Like hey, I can Hey, listen.
2: No one loves Bruce and Gladbach as much as I do. Okay. I know about <laughs> Jan Summer, but then also to be clear, there's no there's no uh Russell and Psalm side. I just said that he made a fair point. I still think Mendy is world class, and I think yeah. that his records his records speak for himself. Like he, it wasn't clean only sheets. It,
1: so 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 if you're asking, if I ask you guys this question, which players in Chelsea are world class today?
2: Mendy is, is on there. I think he's world class. The
1: obvious see.
0: one is Kante. and Lukaku. Right. Mikaku. Okay.
1: Mikaku. Okay. That's
0: and that's where I draw the line. Th- those those are the two that you can't argue. Mendy, Mendy, you can argue. I can see Mendy, the argument. Mendy, you can argue. Not world class. Yeah, I, I, I can I totally agree. see the argument. I agree. Like, like too. I get, I get your point, Andres. Like, yeah, some people could mention five goalkeepers ahead of
1: him. Yeah, but... like for for me, world class is like you have three choices at a position in the whole world. Like True. at DM, you're putting Conte. At striker, you're most likely having uh, Lukaku in up there. there. But in goalkeeper. I, Mendy's not there yet. He's fantastic. I'm not saying that we need a better keeper than Mendy right now. Like, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, in the World 11, Mendy probably gets the votes. Like, no, I don't think so.
2: Wasn't he European goalkeeper of the year?
1: He was the Champions League keeper
2: of that was, the team. That King, wasn't team you. Of, that wasn't UEFA. Oh, well, I mean, I guess yeah, UEFA. It's just Champions
1: European, League. You know? it, yeah, it was just Champions League. I think <laughs> yeah, Donnarumma would have won it. if it was UEFA. Right. Yeah. Hey. World class or not, he's fucking great. We're, we're blessed to have Mendy. Again, I'm just. I think the, the term world class gets thrown around way too easily. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fair. Tiago Silva, um, world class. Former. World class.
2: Yeah, former.
0: Former, yeah. Rudiger, but 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 he does have the performance in him. Rudiger I mean. on
1: the cusp. Rudiger on the cusp. Here's here's yeah, here's I here's...
0: think Rudiger. Rued- Rudiger, yeah. He was probably the closest person to world class outside of Conte and Lukaku now. Really? Because he's been doing Jorginho, it Jorginho, though. Time. No. Jorginho's is
2: really closer to world
0: class than than Rudiger is. I think. The thing is, the thing is with Jorginho, I I I, I could name five DMS better than him. The thing with Jorginho is if you're looking for a maestro, then you'd be hard-pressed to find five better than him. But the the, the
2: argument – this is to wrap up my thing about Jorginho – is that people thought that he benefited from the system. But you saw him excel in a completely
0: different system with Italy. They were not, they were not running a 3-4-3. 4-3-3 but and... they had two runners I mean they had a midfield with two runners next to him Verratti and Barella were, were running around like madmen or Locatelli
2: he he can succeed
0: he, they yeah. they build they build
2: the formation around him That's yeah. world class I love
0: him I mean this is a very biased podcast in general so fuck it everybody on our team is world class um even Ross Barkley even Ross the boss Um, So, yeah, I guess we'll kind of end it on that positive note then. Uh, So if you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you are at RomansEmpirePod. We are going through an international break now, but make sure that, you know, you're following us and keeping up to date with some of our giveaways that we have posted. It's pinned to our Twitter, hint, hint. Um, And until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.